are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome, everyone, to the one-year anniversary spectacular of the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. For one year, as the other Cultaholic lads have grappled with the graps in the 21st century, we have been knocked noggins with the naughty 90s. Long before the WWE boasted Braun's Biggies and Brocks, there were broadcast boogers, Bam Bams and Barbers. Before they wrestled metaphorically with the integrity of Saudi Arabia shows, they wrestled figuratively with shoddy equipment in Albany armories. They were giving birth to a TV dynasty, one botched bonsai at a time, and we are here to watch their baby grow. Maybe push it on the swings and take it to a strip club when it's older. And who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, and your undisputed cultaholic champion, Tom Campbell. And I, once again, via the power of the old tin can and string, chronologically critiquing classic wrestling with the bear in the big blue parkade. The Philly's finest Philly. The head pen of Cultaholic. A pencil would be as welcome in his house as a librarian in AEW's. There, from off of America, is a Justin Henry. Did you call me Philly's finest Philly? I certainly did. Ah. <laughs> uh, I think of Philly's a female horse, quite frankly. And you are the finest female horse, Justin. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Uh, we're recording this very early in the morning. We had some technical issues uh, at our normal time of recording. So we're, we're doing a go again in the wee hours for America in the late afternoon for us here. Uh, but Justin, happy anniversary, mate. Oh, happy anniversary to you as well. Can't believe it's been one year already. And we've barely fallen out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I... I... I could still sort of stand you, so you know, so far so good. Yeah, and, and that's longer than most relationships I've had in my adult life. So congratulations to you, sir. Um, throughout our time together, we have welcomed uh, many guests to this show. We've had the likes of uh, R.D. Reynolds join us for a, for a watch along. We've had Photoshop King himself, John, John Eiley, and many more. And we are joined by uh, one of our favourite recurring guests for the anniversary show, aren't we, Justin? Uh, yes, she's uh, way too humble for her own good, and she puts up with our malarkey, which we appreciate. 
She is one of the Cultaholic Discord mods. She's our good friend, Sydney Zumowitz. Hey! Sydney, welcome to the show. It's lovely to have you here. It's great to be here in the very early hours of the morning. Are you a morning person, Sydney? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> what time do you normally go to bed? I normally go to sleep around, uh, well, yesterday I went to sleep around midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, and I usually get up around 10. 10 is my earliest I normally get up. Sometimes I don't get up till noon. Blimey. Well, we had to batten down early last night, each of us, because, you know, the you know, Nathan's hot dog eating contest is today, and, <laughs> you know, we didn't want to miss that, isn't it? Of course, because I have borrowed you, and it's literally just occurred to me, I have borrowed you on American Independence Day, so happy America Day! Oh, thank you. <laughs> Congratulations on, break, on turning your back on us over here. <laughs> How are you both well, you celebrating know, American Independence Day? Uh, I'm, I'm taking your tea and throwing it in, in the lake. <laughs> How about you, Sid? Uh, I am swimming, having cookouts, and might be firing off some fireworks tonight, but we fired off most of them yesterday. Oh, it all sounds very American. Well, cool. happy happy day off to you all. Some of us are going to go to work in a bit, but that's fine. I'm not even bothered anyway. Uh, let, us, <laughs> let us commemorate uh, your, your anniversary of being free of England and the anniversary of the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. Just to let you both know that throughout the show today, there'll be a few special guests popping up. A few people who have uh, made our time chronologically critiquing uh, Monday Night Raw uh, either a pleasure or a chore. And maybe you'll hear a few familiar voices as we go along. You're not so. <laughs> we will get to that very soon. Right now, where and where are we, Justin? Uh, it is January 10th, 1994. It is the first episode of Raw to feature footage from 94. We were at, in the fourth different state to broadcast an episode of Raw. It is the Coliseum in Richmond, Virginia. Oh, across cool. Virginia off the state bucket list. for. Seems for, a random one to go to for like a big special like this. I mean, yeah, it's not a bad location. It's got about maybe 3,000 people there, I would say. Maybe, maybe a little bit less. But it looks pretty good for a TV taping. Sid, what do we reckon to um, where we're filming this week? I think it's really strange to have for the one anniversary of uh, first anniversary of Raw. I really do think they should have done like the Manhattan Center or somewhere that they've been before. It would have made sense to have gone somewhere a bit more iconic. Yeah. But nevertheless, here we are. How old would you have been? Because this is this is always something that we we I think we bring. There's two things we bring up when Sydney comes on the show. One, which is um, what is a Discord, and it's fine because I've learnt now. <laughs> Yay! Uh, it's like a chat room. It's like AOL chat, but without Connie. And the other is, how how old were you when these were on? Well, this was in 1994, so I was five years before being born. Oh, barely even a consideration at this point. With the greatest respect, it's true. <laughs> so, Tom, you and I were like nine or ten years old at this point, correct? That is correct, of course, sir. So we were, I was uh, still a, re a recovering Hulkamaniac after Hulk Hogan had lost to the <laughs> Ultimate Warrior. Even though that was many years before, I still hadn't quite got over it. Okay, so tell me, this opening graphic with the happy anniversary, whatever it was with the lights, was this 
primitive technology for 1994, or was this state of the art? Oh, this was this was state of the art. This this all felt very special because because it felt 243 years old. This <laughs> this a production quality. It's what dates it for me is when. What really dated it was when, on the Christmas episode, when Father Christmas went past on his sleigh, and it was just like a like a piece of clip art moving from right to left. The world needs more clip art in it. <laughs> it, it certainly does. But yeah, mm-hmm. so we kicked off with uh, some state of the art tech to show us to bring us into the new year. And then we jump right in the clips of Johnny Polar versus Marty Jannetty from a couple weeks ago. Fireball Marty Jannetty, as Vince calls him, which I I, I, I guess is going for an alcohol sponsorship. <laughs> and that leads to this match we have tonight with Marty Jannetty and the 1-2-3 Kid taking on Johnny Polo's Quebecers in a tag team title match after Jannetty successfully coerced Polo by cornering him at the commentary table on last week's show into giving up his, his uh, two charges. So, we get, so you have PCO defending the belt on the anniversary show at a time when uh, he... He recently released a video of him beating up a football team, which is pretty amusing. <laughs> Just the whole football team? Uh, yes, it's part of his training method. It's how he stays tough. He even gave one of them a bro kick. Oh, what? Is this online? This is online odd. somewhere, isn't it? Yes, it's on, it's on PCO's Twitter feed. Amazing. Amazing. His weekly, his weekly uh, demented training methods. So we have a guest commentator on this week's show, and once you know it, pomp and circumstance hits. And here, and here comes the Macho Man Randy Savage looking like a uh, a big pint of chocolate chip ice cream with red streamers attached to his arms. Hang on, this is an OSW review. We can't do what bar. We'll get in trouble. Do what bar? We can't do what bar because this is an OSW review. If we do what bar, we'll get oh, in trouble. Right, you know right. what bar, don't you? That's right. It's a... But it's a pint of ice cream. It's not an actual bar, though. Oh, that's still that's, that's fine, but we're, we're crossing into dangerous territory. Yeah, we love those guys. They are amazing. Yeah. What did we make of of the outfit on Savage, Sid? I really liked it. Red's my favorite color. So uh, even though it was pretty corny, I did really, really like it. Something about Savage doing stuff like this that makes it all okay, though. Do you find? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's the case, yeah. Savage just has that flamboyance that, you know, brings, he has that self-confidence that makes it work. You know, he's not just some guy putting on an outfit and, you know, trying to get attention. Like, like he lives, he lives that pomp. It works for him. The thing that made Savage stand out in his later years was when he stopped dressing like that and started just wearing, like, leather chaps and tight t-shirts. And it. And him and Scott Steiner were having literal arms raised to see who could have bigger biceps. Oh, God, his biceps got ridiculous near the end. What up, Marge? Did it. Oh, yeah. Oh, it. That music Did from WCW. Oh, man. I love generic Godsmack, don't you? <laughs> it did sound a bit bad religion. <laughs> Savage was trying to make time with the ring card girl because who wouldn't? We reinforce its kid, and uh, we reinforce its kid, Jannetty versus the Quebecers, and perhaps an even bigger match, at least in terms of immensity. Bam Bam Bigelow versus Bastion Booger. <laughs> <laughs> We're excited about this, aren't we, Sid? 
That's one way to put it. <laughs> it's bad enough that you've had to wake up at like 9am on the 4th of July to record this. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Bam Bam Bigelow and Bastion Booker. Here is the math for the last six months of this show. It's one third Bobby Heenan's funny. It's one third I miss Mean Gene and one third poor Bam Bam. That's pretty strong maths, actually. <laughs> the, the numbers don't lie. And it spells... Never mind. <laughs> Although what I'd say is, apparently... after our run of mixed bag commentators on the old Bartlett Heenan scale, it's actually a refreshing relief to hear Randy Savage. And we really gave him a tough time in the early episodes of Raw when he was sat mm-hmm. next to Bartlett and Vince. But my goodness, it's so nice to hear him. He brings stark qualities, what he does. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the one thing that a lot of them haven't done. I mean, Johnny Polo being the exception because he was exceptional. Um, but yeah, Savage oh, really brings this very special extra. I can imagine Savage saying, do Beal or not do Beal. I can, though. <laughs> and then oh. following it with, I don't know what that means. <laughs> double, double, toil and trouble, fires burn in cauldrons bubble. <laughs> I, don't, I doth not know what that means. <laughs> Savage Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, that that is Anywho. absolutely beautiful. So we have John, Randy Savage Shakespeare. <laughs> Have him holding up York's skull. There you go. Incidentally, Sid, as per the last time you were here, if there's anything that we picture in our mind's eye that you like brought to life, just shout, John. He'll know what to do. All right. Is that an empty Slim Jim wrapper before me? The opening to my hand? (laughs) I just kind of want this as a a DVD ROM now. (laughs) Macho Spear. (laughs) So we open... So we open as is custom overall with the main event, the Quebecers versus One Two Three Kid and Marty Jenny for the tag team titles. It occurs to me that you can actually have this match today since they're all in relatively working shape for the most part. Although I, it is kind of a coincidence because uh, Jacques Rougeau Senior, the father of Jacques here, passed away this week at the age of eighty-nine. Yeah, that was so, that was sad news. But you're actually you actually make a good point. It's very few matches on Monday Night Raw that you can go. We can have this match now. I don't know kind of how it would be, but we can certainly have it. Well, I mean, we know Pierre would be game. Kid, uh, for being in his mid to late 40s, he, he still works from time to time. And, and you can imagine he would, uh, he might not be 21-year-old one two, three kid in the match, but he certainly still go. And Janetti, I know he faced off with Joey Janela at one of those recent, uh, one of those many events that Janela has where they bring in a few a few random old timers and they uh, prove they can still go to a certain degree as Pierre did a few years ago with Walter. Is and that where it, Pierre it, came it, back back when he wrestled Walter? Yeah, that was sort of the, uh, it, it wasn't his comeback match nominally, but it was a, it was a big eye opener. And that's when I realized, Oh my God, Pierre still got ups. He, he's still, in fact, he's possibly better than ever. So, uh, if you've never seen Pierre versus Walter from one of those Joey Janelle Spring Break shows, I want to say 2017, you owe it to yourself. It's an incredible match. I'm very intrigued so, by that. What do we make? What do we make of um, of Pierre slash PCO Sid? 
Uh, he, uh, he definitely scares me. Uh, <laughs> every time I see him, I'm, like, totally afraid somehow he's going to appear. If I say his name three times, he'll appear in, uh, my living room. Uh, he makes me very nervous, uh, but I bet, I, I, I would guess he's a nice guy. <laughs> I, he actually is quite a nice guy from what I understand, although the character is certainly, uh, an interesting one. He's like the candy peer. You say his name three times. John. <laughs> he, John he Candy Peer. <laughs> so, Polo trying to get extra heel heat here, wearing an unbelievable shirt. Because <laughs> he knows what an awful catchphrase that is for the show. <laughs> I am pleased to see Genetti versus Jacques here. It's the Rockers versus Rougeos reunited to a certain degree. Somebody in the crowd is just screaming the entire time. They're excited like, to see Marty Gennetti, as we all are. It's like they're having like a, like, a, like they're having this out of body experience where they're on acid and they're like riding this really high uh, roller coaster, and no one else around them is. They're like, "What is with them?" So they're Vince takes time to earn this match too. Anyway, it is Richmond, Virginia. <laughs> Vince. Vince mentions the Quebec province rules, how, how Jacques and Pierre got the belts in the first place. Doesn't mention who they beat, though. Oh, yeah, because they're slightly fight. out of favor, aren't they, at this point? Yeah, we're going to see less and less of Rick and Scott going forward, and in a matter of months, they're not going to be here anymore. Oh, that is a shame. Yeah, they wanted to go back to Japan because they, you know, when they weren't uh, making big money in WWE, and Vince balked at that. And uh, Well, it's, it's, it's kind of contentious between the brothers and Vince right now. So Vince mentions that Brett and Owen will face the Quebecers at the Rumble regardless of the outcome of this match. So it could be a non-title match at the Royal Rumble. So I like how they Got threw it. that in as a little red herring. Yeah, because you're thinking Kid Genetti can't possibly win this match then. Since it's not going to screw Brett and Owen out of the title shot. Got a really nifty spot here where Genetti throws Kid off the ropes and he alley-oops Kid over his head. And Kid catches Pierre with a dropkick on the way down that looks like, looked like a... A flying drill bit. That was very impressive. I thought, do you know what? There was it was a really high octane tag team match to kick off Raw. Well, you have guys in this match who can have that sort of match, especially Kid at this point, who could do no wrong between the ropes. And this was, as you'll see a few months from now, when he gets a certain title match. One, two, three, Kid in this era was definitely worth watching every chance you got. I know Savage's fringe is all over the floor, so it's almost like he's molting during the show. <laughs> That's a shame, considering he likes the outfit. It would be a shame for it to all fall apart. No! <laughs> Seems like he put it together at the last minute before the show. Hey, you know what this needs? Streamers. Give me some uh, wig glue here. Give me some wig glue immediately. <laughs> Stop the party city on the way over. Got the streamers. Vince during this match is all over the place. Like he's just constantly high volume, high energy. Not Owen and Coco, but high energy. He's uh, I wrote my notes at one point here. Vince is on the good stuff this week. <laughs> That's and, slightly libelous. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, it could be any good stuff. He he could be on a. Uh, he could be high on life right now. We don't know. It's the one-year anniversary. He's, he's feeling very festive. 
seems like most of this match the baby faces were, were were in control, which is kind of an unusual for the tag formula. It, it's it's not really a paint by numbers match by any means, which is also a good thing. It's it's during this match that Vince plugs next week's guest commentary is going to be for some reason Crush. That's uh, that's it because have... what the world really does need is just some guy for an hour going brother 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 brother. <laughs> I've I've seen the show before. Let me just say, if only. Oh, oh, really? Is it worse than that? Are we going to change the Heenan Barnett scale again? I will let you be the judge of that. Oh, exciting! Meanwhile, Savage going to face IRS, so Savage crush tension likely to continue as they plug it during this all-important tag team title match. <laughs> because because timing is everything. That reminds me of current Raw. <laughs> Discuss anything but the match. Yeah, and then having a commercial or talking about uh, the next pay-per-view during the match. And what's oh, yeah, crazy yeah. about that is that they've got three hours. They've got time. Whereas exactly. in this, you've got like forty-five minutes, so you can be you can excuse them for overlapping stuff. But you've got three hours to bang on about whatever pay-per-views on in ten minutes time. <laughs> <laughs> Me insulting the show would not look good this week when the rings were up on Paul Heyman's first broadcast. But <laughs> it seems, it's it still like true, free... though. It's still you've still got three hours. You haven't got to shoe on everything in during a tag match. It seems like they're afraid to. Be there. Everyone's going to change the channel when there's like something slightly boring going on. Like, no, no, don't leave, don't leave. It's like be confident in what you're presenting. Exactly. Have some faith in your broadcast, gentlemen's and women's. <laughs> So we jump late in the match. Marty's covered in grime and confetti from being on the floor. The floor was like really dirty during this show. Look, there was a nice big party before the broadcast, and they just haven't cleaned up yet. Yeah, we were we were debating that, weren't we, in the first recording of this show? And we couldn't <laughs> just to let you in on the uh, on the action. We we weren't sure what had happened. Whether there'd been something like a little pre-show celebration that we weren't pally to by watching it on the telly. Mm-hmm. This is a big Roman orgy before the show. Oh, not with Bastion <laughs> Booger there. What are you doing? Well, well he was eating the grapes. Oh, <laughs> Feel sad now. Feel sad and sick all at once. So Marty's taking a beating here. Jacques Pyle drives him. Quebecers, Quebecers hit, hit the uh, tower, the assisted senton. No cover, though, because, you know, heels are stupid. So uh, they try a second tower. Uh, Janetti uh, gets managed to get away. I'm sorry. Actually, at this point, it, it's Kid that's. Uh... I'm sorry. I got this all wrong. It, it was Kid who took the first tower. I was gonna say, yeah, Kid took the tower. Um, but it was. I, I think it. Kid was very much the standout in this whole match, though. I felt like even when he was getting beaten up, he was still like the MVP of the match. Sean Waltman could take a hell of a beating, and he looks convincing doing it. Maybe not quite Ricky Morton, who is the gold standard of taking a beating during a tag team match. I thought, oh, yeah, certainly... I thought Mikey Whipwreck was always a high standard of somebody who looked like they could take a shoe in. They all live in the same neighborhood. <laughs> Where they can <laughs> regularly get beaten up. Yes, some are better at it than others. So Kid avoids the second tower. He uh, he, he tags in Janetti. Um, and it's, it's a very, very short, hot tag segment. Because Quebecers get taken out, and all of a sudden, here's the rocker plex. Pierre goes up, kid crawls bodies him out of Janetti's grasp. One, two, three, new champions. 
Oh, that was... Do you know what? Watching this afresh, I... I couldn't remember whether they won them at this Raw or not, and I knew the paper was on the horizon, so I was fairly caught off guard by this by this happening. It was brilliant. And the crowd went mental for it. Oh, absolutely. Savage jumps in right afterwards to celebrate with them, just to, I guess, give them the rub of some sort. I, was, I, was, I wasn't sure about Savage jumping in, because one of the things that Savage always complained about was every time he won a title, Hulk Hogan would jump in the ring with him. <laughs> and just take hot dog and grandstand with him. And I was like, Savage, isn't this what you were getting on to Hogan about? But what you say there is quite true. Maybe there was a bit of a, a semblance of giving the rub to. Because if Savage endorses them, obviously they're cool. They're like two Slim Jims in tights. <laughs> it's a weird mental image. But yes. <laughs> well, he's endorsing them, so. But it was quite a good match. It was a very good match, in fact. What do you expect with, with, with these four men involved? It's very true. Sid, what did Sid, we think of the opening match? match on Raw? I uh, I really liked it. Definitely the match of the night. Um, and uh, I definitely feel like this kind of raised the bar the rest of the show. The thing I found really funny was the rest of the night on commentary, Savage wouldn't stop bringing it up. Savage well, was really excited be, um... about it, wasn't he? For sure. Savage was happy to be back. Just happy to be doing something on the show. As opposed to being just cast aside like the... Uh, it was like yesterday's news, pretty much. Because Vince, uh, as we'll see throughout this coming year, Savage is... Uh, he's, he's commentating, but he could be used a lot more optimally. And, well, as, as history has shown, he got a little bit sick of that role. And things will change by year's end. Yeah, I kind of wanted I wanted him to always do more. And we get a little bit more, as you, you've indicated, we get a little bit more of a burst of Savage before before he goes away. This feud with Crush is his last feud in the company, pretty much. Oh, that makes me sad. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But yes, that was definitely a hell of a match for this anniversary show. Something notable happened. Although maybe uh, maybe maybe fleeting glory for our new champions, we shall see. We get an anniversary moment. Oh oh, wait there! Talking of anniversary moments. 
Oh boy. That's the phone ringing. We have been expecting some famous dignitaries from our time to call in, and one, one's calling in right now. Who could it be? That's convenient. Welcome, everyone! It's me, Vincent Kennedy McMahon from Off of the 90s. Oh, what a maneuver! You see, I don't know whether or not to do a gruff voice or talk really high like that. Anyway, well done on having a one-year anniversary just like us to you, James, and you, Tony. We'll see you next time on Raw. Did you hear that? Certainly yes. did. <laughs> there Why you did... go. Vince McMahon calling in. Why does Vince smoke five packs of Chesterfields a day? <laughs> hey, what he gets up to in his own time is nothing to do with us. Did he call you James and Tony? Yeah, he always gets the jobber's names wrong, which always upsets me. And uh, he seems to be true. You're not a jobber, shush. You're the, you're, you're the champion, remember? Tell Vince that then. I'm, I'm a champion in another territory, so it doesn't matter. I'm sure Vince would appreciate the way you ducked out of that door while Bacchini was on the phone with me. I mean, his mother. And, um, what? That is, what? That, is, that is basically how the Iron Sheik won the title, isn't it? Yes, well... When classy Justin Blassie uh, called Bob Bagwell on the phone and um... <laughs> hey, look, they haven't asked for it back yet. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, you're about three weeks away from losing it to Hulk Hogan, is what you're saying? Yes, what an honor and a privilege that will be. <laughs> and kicking off Owen Mawson mania. <laughs> so anyway, thank you, Vince, and thank you for our anniversary message. Let's continue with the anniversary episode of Monday Night Raw. Well, speaking of anniversaries, we have, throughout the night, we have several anniversary moments as bumper segments. It's interesting, you know, what they find to be anniversary moments. This is their picks of, like, the most important moments of the past year. And the first one's okay. It's one, two, three kids upset whenever Razor Ramon back in May. Makes sense, because it was one of the most shocking moments in Raw history to that point. Mm -hmm. So well done. Elevated the new star. Turned Razor babyface. So much came from this one little innocuous squash match that was not a squash match in the end. So, good choice for a Raw moment there. And boy, was the crowd stunned when that happened. I genuinely, watching it, and this is the nice thing, which I've said a couple of times, is that I've, I'm watching a lot of these for the first time through. So, it felt like a big moment to see that happen. Sid, if you, since you didn't see that moment in real time, at, in that match, 123K was just some jobber that didn't have entrance music. He was just mm -hmm. some guy. He had lost yeah, two weeks I, I've heard about that. Yes, he, so you know that story then, and uh, yeah, that was so perfect how they pulled that off. For sure. We go to the we go to the Royal Rumble report, and we have AEW's own Jim Ross doing it. Oh, oh good old JR. He was so he was so fresh and young here. Did you not think? He, he was borderline baby faced here. He looks. <laughs> He, he wasn't the pseudo or slightly cantankerous, but still very wise old man that we see today. He's, he's, he's just young, fresh-faced JR. <laughs> it, it is very different. I think by the fact that he was the one that told us that Todd Pettengill was... Was he snowed in? I hope so. <laughs> he said he was... There was a re, there, I'm sure he said Todd was snowed in and couldn't get in. So already, <laughs> immediately, baby face in my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> he had his brakes tampered with. I mean, he snowed in. <laughs> Throws a crowbar away. <laughs> he just, he's just holding it in his hand, then he just puts his hands behind his back. 
You know, it, it was around the time that uh, that Nancy Kerrigan was attacked by Tanya Harding's hired men. So that it would have been a timely reference if they hadn't take Todd out. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, yeah, and take him out at the same time. But either way, <laughs> finish him off. I'm not saying kill Todd Pettengill, but yeah, let's kill Todd Pettengill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we have our 30 names for the Rumble. And what a field this is. I'll just run them down real fast because because uh, 27 we announced last week and then we have three more now. Shawn Michaels, Diesel, Dwayne the Clown, Brett and Owen Hart, Hart, Bam Bam Bigelow, Bastion Booger, Smoking Guns, Rick Martell, Crush the Tonka, Adam Bomb, The Head Shrinkers, Randy Savage, Ludwig Borga, Jeff Jarrett, New Champions, 123 Kid and Marty Gennetti, Greg Valentine, The Steiner Brothers, Kamala, Sid's favorite tag team men on the mission, Bob Backlund, and the three new names are Alex Luger, who has been granted entry, and two mercenaries hired by Mr. Fuji, Yanichiro Tenru and the great Kabuki. We didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world's been turning. I just, as you were listing off the names, I just wanted to burst in. Someone main eventing, which leaves me lamenting. <laughs> what happened to that wrestler? It's the more appropriate version, I should have said. Sorry, sorry, had to cheating. <laughs> so, JR notes that every title's on the line. But that's weird because Kid Jenny just won the tag team belts, and they're not defending about the Rumble, so what the hell do you mean by that? Ooh, that's true. Unless their tag belts are on the line in the Rumble, that would be a weird extra. <laughs> yeah, it's like the 24-7 belts, but you have to have a partner with you. Here's your new tag team <laughs> champions, Doink the Clown and Greg Valentine. Oh, dear. Well, it's, like, it's like every indie show from 1998. A joke of an act that overstayed its welcome with a babyface turn. And Doink the Clown. Oh! <laughs> How dare you. Don't be hating on the hammer. So it's Tinker versus, Tinker versus Yoko casket match for the world title. Razor versus IRS and our Continental Belt. Hearts Quebecers, not for the belts now because, well, we have new champions. The Tonka versus Borger for the badass championship. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. it's like their, the their feud never seems Super... to end, does it? Oh, it will. <laughs> in short order it will hey no women's title match what's this crap about every belt being on the line yeah where is Alundra Blaze defending against um, someone else <laughs> someone in that else. thriving women's division they've got here Mo put this wig on <laughs> yes that's uh boy thank god Stephanie came along 20 years to invent women's wrestling because oh, otherwise yeah I don't know what they were doing before God, they something been... that something that really confused me, which I'm not used to because of recent eras, is them announcing every single name in the uh, Royal yes. Rumble. Yes, now they have to leave stuff open for surprise entrance. That's yeah, almost become it's... a trope that they have to do now. Mm-hmm. And and to me as a fan, I, 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 like I enjoy the the occasional surprise, but it's like if it's a sporting event, it's like you know if you're, if you're watching the Super Bowl or the World Cup. You know who's competing in it, and in, in, in this all-important matchup, because this is for a world title shot. And these days, you have guys like you know, let's say Primo Cologne, who don't get into the Rumble match. It's for a world title match. You know, you've competed all year for this opportunity, and here comes, well, here comes Ahmed Johnson. It's like, hey, it's a surprise. Here comes Ahmed, and it's just like, why is he getting a a, a shot at a shot? You know, it's 
Yeah, it doesn't seem fair that they've just been on the on the sideburn for all this year. Then they just get this one golden match where they can they, where they can win it all. There should be like a, a an order of if we were going to treat it like a proper sporting event, there should certainly be a, a, a more professional way of if you've got this many wins, losses, or whatever, your number is determined by that. Well, it's a good thing AEW is bringing the sporting element back, and as soon as they figure out how to get make a chair properly, it should be. <laughs> no, because their Shush. version of Rumble's got their their version of Rumble's got like cards and stuff, and it's complicated. Yeah. Uh, it, it I I just I felt like that was fine. Okay, I I was there live. I saw it. What the cards in the was... battle royal or the chess shot? Yes, I was I was at Double or Nothing. I saw the match, and mm-hmm. it was a big. It was like the beginning part was confusing because stuff was appearing and then disappearing on the screens, but it was pretty, like, well explained beforehand. The only thing that confused me was when the 22nd guy came in. Uh, yes, uh, Orange Cassidy. I loved him, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the match was fine. But I, I, I got what was going on, but, like, the, the, all the camera cuts were a little bit behind. Like, all of a mm-hmm. sudden, like... Here's Janela on screen. He has a cig- has a cigarette stapled to his forehead. Like, how did that happen? It's like watching a racer head. <laughs> it's like everything was like random. Very peculiar. Mm. But but you're but you're still getting the kinks out of it, obviously. If you want a um, a bit of a multi man nonsense on the network in their hidden gems section, you can watch the Florida Championship Wrestling's Grand Royale, which is what the hell is. It is a reverse battle royal that everybody rags on Impact Wrestling for doing, where everyone starts outside the ring and they have to fight their way in. And then you throw them back out again. Oh, so Russia didn't invent it then? No, no, it was this is the Florida Championship Wrestling thing. Wait, you mean wow. uh, developmental? You mean no. developmental Florida, like the, like the uh, modern era or the old stuff? Of this, modern the era developmental Florida. Okay, so Russo did invent it then, and they stole Russo's idea. <laughs> oh, that's even worse, actually. <laughs> yeah. Russo should sue. But it's got people in the match, like it's got like dignitaries from today in that match, like Corey Graves and Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins in this oh, now I gotta appalling see this. match. Appalling, you say? Hell, now I gotta see this. <laughs> so we have our next anniversary moment. And this was the one that I recall about six months ago, dreading having to cover when it came up in the rotation. Jerry Lawler embarrassing poor Tiny Tim. Sid, do you know who Tiny Tim is? No clue. You're not missing much. Seemed to be the case. Uh, Tiny Tim was a bit of pop culture uh, lore. He's a bit of a footnote. He was this novelty singer from the 60s. He plays ukulele. He uh, very strange man, but... He was, he was most known for getting married on Johnny Carson's Tonight Show back in the late 60s. Like a, a legitimate wedding. It was a really random thing, but it did big ratings. And he, mm. he's known for both that and his song Tiptoe Through the Tulips, which he sings in a very high falsetto voice. Oh, I know that song. Yes, that would be old Tiny Tim. And Lawler smashes his ukulele, which is supposed to make him a, a major heel, but kids watching the show in 93 would have... Not much in a frame of reference for who Tiny Tim is. Mm. Should have had him go after someone like, uh, you know, Lane Staley of Allison Chains or something. <laughs> someone, someone a bit more timely. 
But I think it was uh... the most untimely presentation of somebody in the main slot on a WWE TV show since the return of Dolph Ziggler recently. <laughs> <laughs> it should have been me singing Tiptoe Through the Tulips. It should have been me. It should have been you. It was you for about this long, and now it's not. Get over it. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I think Kayo's had, I think Kayo's had enough of the angle. I should note the weird timing of having a Lawler appear on this show in any form. I must have been confident that the uh, case was going his way. Very much. Wait, so. what? Uh. I don't. We won't get too far into this, but let's just say Sid uh, Lawler had some legal issues at this point. Gotcha. That were thankfully resolved. Okay. Appar- apparently, he was not in the wrong. So the okay. uh, story goes. I can't say for sure, but the case was dropped the following month. Gotcha. So we have Ludwig Borger versus Brad Anderson, and I had to confer with the person behind the Monsoon Classic Twitter account because Brad Anderson was in the news this year. If this is the same guy that I was thinking of, and he thinks it may be the same person, Brad Anderson here apparently beat the living crap out of a guy at an independent show, shot on him during a match, and tried to like really take him out. And that actually made a few headlines for it. Wow. So if this is the same Brad Anderson, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this could be, although he looks way different back then, then that's very, very strange. You have him and uh, PCO on the, on the same show when they're both still kind of going today as is one of the guys in the next match so match is joined in progress so we missed the Borger pre-match punch out which is my favorite part of any match that Borger's in <laughs> Borger runs him over with a clothesline Tommy's still there I'm you still here I'm still here I'm, I'm enjoying the banter <laughs> <laughs> and by banter me me talking to myself no you're talking and Sydney's talking and I, and I didn't want to interject I'm being a polite <laughs> British boy on the 4th of July <laughs> Because I should be really angry with you both, but I'm not. I'm fine. <laughs> well, I, 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 I want to make sure you were conscious for this next part because this is, this is your favorite part of the match. It is my favorite we get a part call, of the match. We get a call in from the All-American himself, Lex Luger. <laughs> because if Lex Luger isn't dull enough with a, with a camera facing him... I know. Let's put him on the phone. And honest to God, he delivers this promo over the phone in the same way that I spoke to the water company about changing my tariff. Like, that is the level of, of desire and passion that Luger shows on the phone. <laughs> he is the it, it, sounded, it sounded like he was reading, like, just reading what he was saying off a piece of paper. And then, like, I feel like I feel like there could have been like a moment where he's like, "Oh wait, what's my line?" Like, <laughs> like, hi Vince, this is Lex. Line, Luger. <laughs> you just hear like paper rustling in the background. Hi Vince, this is Lex Luger. It's like they're not even wearing a smile, not suggestively. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean. Hmm. Hang up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's uh. He tells Luger because he congratulates himself before he congratulates Kid and Janetti. I thought that was the best part of the call. <laughs> like, like, yep, he's still the total package. He's that just so funny. dull on the phone. He really is. He he was like he was like a human emergency break here. <laughs> it was a really great show up to this point. 
It's like this, this, this greasy hand on, on the brake handle of the life, just easing it into the brake position. I just can't get over how Vince was still so adamant. This is the guy. This is my boy. He's going to take us to great places. You hear him? Vince, are you hearing what we're hearing? It's like watching somebody in a bad relationship. Like, are you not seeing what we're seeing? He's awful. Sid, what do you think of Lex Luger? I feel like he just doesn't care. Like, he's like, sure, Vince, you can make me the top guy, but I don't really care. And I'm not going to try harder to be the top guy. It's just like, it makes no sense. I don't I don't get why Vince is so adamant on him being the next Hulk Hogan, because that's definitely not happening. I figured it out. He's slightly orange Cassidy. <laughs> he is. He's he's an unironic orange Cassidy. I've got a I've I've got a bus. I guess that's cool. It takes me places and so that's good, I guess. Actually, if Luger had wrestled with his hands in his pockets the whole time, I would have been down with that. <laughs> if, if it'd be more impressive if he slammed Yoko that way. John. He just like picks up like a ghost or something. <laughs> like Johnny. he's just like, eh. <laughs> have have Johnny, either of you guys us? shown a non-wrestling fan Orange Cassidy? Oh my yet. god, I want to. Because I showed Alex Orange Cassidy. What did she have to say? She was just like, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> he's a monster. <laughs> he murders people. <laughs> And you're just like, but the crowd seemed into it, so that's all right. Oh my god, I was popping so much at Double or Nothing. <laughs> Tommy Dreamer's just like, I'm dead now. It's like, well, first I want John to uh, f- Photoshop Lex Luger with aviators and a denim jacket. Yes, please, thank you. <laughs> but uh, my other thought here is, Tom, have you ever seen a movie called Bowfinger? Um. No, I don't think I have. It's a Steve Martin movie. It's him and Eddie Murphy. It's, it's about 20 years old now. It's uh, Steve Martin's is a movie producer, director, or something or other. It's been awesome since I've seen it. He's trying to make an action movie, and Eddie Murphy's Eddie Murphy plays two roles in the movie. This super cool but super egotistical action star, and he plays like his nerdy brother, who's, who, who's just like who's like oblivious and and, and can't uh, replicate you know what what his action movies action star brother does. So he needs the action star for this, for this movie. He won't do it. So he he's re- it's like a con job movie where he where he he hopes to like use his brother as like the um body stand-in for this movie, while splicing in clips of, his, of 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 the cool brother doing stuff. It's like Luger is the nerdy brother, and Hogan's the cool brother, and he's trying to convince Lex Luger to be Hulk Hogan. Like, okay, I guess I could be Hulk Hogan. Now let's let's give it a try, and it just. And you see the contrast between the two, like at every opportunity. There so is. Lex okay, the, I get that. So Lex Luger is the nerdy Eddie Murphy brother. Not as funny as the Orange Cassidy reference, but you know, it's early on, and the coffee ain't kicked in yet. So you know, bear with me here. <laughs> anyway, Borga kills this poor jobber. Torture rack finishes. Phone torture also ends. So it's it's a it's double torture parallel here. <laughs> we get footage of Yokozuna winning a handicap match over the weekend with a double bonsai drop, which looks fun. 
Oh god, that just looked like just the worst pileup you could ever imagine. Would you rather be the guy in the bottom or the guy in the middle? I'd rather be the guy in the crowd. <laughs> I'd rather be the guy in concession. I'd rather be commentary. I'd rather be commentary, actually. <laughs> so, Yoko wins this match, and he, and and he's uh you know he's just in a foul mood because he killed Dan Dubiel last week on Raw. And um, you know the the uh, the gong hits, and we have Taker and Paul Bear on the on the minitron. Menacing Yoko from Santa's evil workshop <laughs> as they're putting the casket together because Yoko's afraid of caskets. And Tigger has a great line here. Yokozuna, I don't make mistakes. I bury them. Does that mean That's he makes mistakes and hides them? Uh, yes, he's... Uh... <laughs> I will say that that is like a pretty cool like action star sort of line. It is a it is a cool line actually. You can imagine like Arnold saying that. I don't. Make Albeit not as uh, you know, sinister Sam. Hasta la vista, Yoko. I I I think I I think Yokozuna is afraid of caskets because he doesn't know how he's gonna fit in one. <laughs> oh no no, it's he's awkward about it. <laughs> it's, it's like well you know I'm, you know take her I'm. I'm sort of non-committal to this match here. It's like he's like I I don't mind losing and you know ultimately you know succumbing to your you know powerful strikes and all that. But how am I going to fit into the casket? Don't worry, I've got you covered. <laughs> We're gonna get a big refrigerator box <laughs> and I'll convert it. Sadly, this match couldn't. If this match happened ten years before, Undertaker would have just gone to IKEA. And just bought something. But as it happens, he's just spent about five weeks making a double wide, double deep casket. He could have just gone to Ikea. It would have been done in seconds. Take, take her, it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> Is he back in the freezer? <laughs> but there's some beer in here. So so, so would take her former stable with Gargano and Chiappa and be the ultimate DIY? Oh! <laughs> Imagine Tigger entering the Gargano's music. That faux power more song. <laughs> and dancing. Well, that's, I know I mean, I'm I doing like that 2K19 song. later. <laughs> I like that song. This rebel heart, this rebel heart. <laughs> this rebel heart. <laughs> this rebel heart, this rebel heart. Gong. Musky. <laughs> That's a thing from Raw this week. <laughs> so uh, we have our next anniversary moment. It's Dwayne throwing a, p- a pail of water on Bobby Heenan and the entire front row at the Manhattan Center. That was a dark day, that was. Was that the day that, that Doink the Clown became a good guy? That's a day that will live forever in infamy. Oh, jeez. And here's Taker now to face someone named Hudson. I didn't put his first name down. It's uh, Ray Hudson. Who has a spectacular mullet? Quality mullet action from Ray Hudson. And oh, oh, what's this? What's this? Oh, oh boy! Phone's ringing. Unfortunately. <laughs> I think we've got who another. Could this be? Who's hello? Hello, hello, hello. Is oh, hang on. How many rings was that? Three. That was three. Was 
LA Gore! LA Gore gave us three rings! Yes! LA Gore's alive! Oh, that's lovely to hear. Thank you, LA Gore, for checking in on the anniversary show of the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review and giving us a callback gag that four people will get. LA Gore, everybody! LA Gore! I'm so lost. I'm about, I was about to say, Sid might be Bible right now. You see, Sid, there was this, there was this jobber named LA Gore. It looked like Diamond Dallas Page almost. And okay. he appears he appears to vanish off the face of the earth. And Tom, take it the rest of the way. So, we were trying to get hold of somebody who knew something about L.A. Gore. Or even L.A. Gore himself. That would be ideal. We couldn't find anything. So, we just put out the appeal to L.A. Gore. <laughs> if you're listening, just get in touch. Or do what we do in the U.K. Where, if we want to let our parents know that we've got home safely from wherever we've been... Just give me three rings, which means just let the phone ring three times and then hang up. That way I know you're home. This is before text messaging. So this is the thing uh. that, that, that quite a few people, I think it might be a UK thing where I said, just give us three rings. Just let us know you're okay. So I said, LA Gore, no need to speak to us. Just give us three rings. Just let us know you're okay. And I'm now happy to report that we've had three rings from LA Gore. And L.A. Gore is okay. And he's checked in on the anniversary show. So thank you, L.A. Gore. It's lovely to hear from you. Yes, Normally, I just have... Uh, I just call my parents and tell them that they're... That's really weird. Just giving them three rings to let them know you're okay? Yeah, but because normally if you get home... This is before like I had a mobile phone. This is before people had proper technology. And if you're getting in late, you wouldn't want to ring out and wake up the whole house. Just three rings would let your mom know oh. that, that you were home, but they didn't have to get out of bed to answer the phone. If they just heard three rings from the house ah. downstairs, they knew you were okay. Okay. Well, so, LA well, now that he's safe and sound, we can finally update the Soul Asylum runaway train video and take him out of it. <laughs> yep, so if we can edit that video, that would be grand. Thank you very much. <laughs> Now, there's an outdated reference. I know it. Really? You do? Yes, I do. Wow. No. Makes you even cooler, actually. Run away on a runway Oh, well, track. thank you. I've, I found out about it from a YouTube video, but, uh, but yeah, I do I do know it's uh, like a music video that has a ton of like missing children and stuff like that. Yeah, so it is less funny when you spell it out that way. Now I feel really bad. <laughs> You've taken all the banter out missing. of it. He was he was missing. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. So anyway, uh, it's Taker versus Ray Hudson here, and Ray Hudson's mullet, so it's like a handicap match. Savage tells us he's afraid of the dark, which I don't know how to take that. He's on Nickelodeon. <clears throat> yes, he got he's part of the Midnight Society. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the story of the bald demon who usurped my success. <laughs> <laughs> he had, Throw the he stand had an, in the fire. He had an orange glow about him. <laughs> Here's the story. My life. The tale of I don't know what that means. <laughs> He's resting a Slim Jim over the fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We've killed Tom. Oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm sorry. Tom, give us three rings. Let us know you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Vince reminds us that Tigger has never lost a casket match, and they keep reinforcing that. But I should know that in 10 years, Vince is going to beat him in a buried alive match because life is funny like that. 
<laughs> Vince questions whether Taker's going to join Bill Clinton, who was president at the time, on his NATO tour. And Savage says, and I'm pretty much quoting here, that's a good idea for the USA. He can make people tired of living and scared of dying. <laughs> what? I didn't hear that. Sure, shank redemption you know, by the sounds of it. You know, we're recording this uh, the day after Jim Morrison's birthday, and I'm thinking that might be like a Doors line of some sort. Because it's very cryptic. Very. <laughs> Savage speaks in riddles. He's, he's, he's a human riddle box. He's the Riddler. John! There you go. John! <laughs> Randy Savage is the Riddler. Thank you. So Vince is excited for the unveiling of the casket. Like, way too much so. Yeah, he is like, a bit pervertly excited about a casket. And Savage says, He gives me the willies, but they're good willies. <laughs> That's a Tinder bio if I ever heard it. <laughs> Undertaker's like a bumpy bus ride. And that's why I do Wrestler of the Week for Cultaholic. <laughs> hey, it's Jack the Chopper here. <laughs> Savage wearing a Dallas Cowboys baseball cap. <laughs> so, uh, we, we have talk of John Madden, the famed football announcer and namesake of the video game series. Because at this point, he was actually a free agent, and I believe WWE actually did make him an offer to try and commentate some dates for them at different points just for the publicity. And Madden was a wrestling fan, but it just it never really came to be. Because I, I assume his price tag was just way too much so. Mm. John Madden calling Raw would have been something else. Yeah, I did he hear that r- rumbling as well. I'm sure he was meant to be one of the first Raws and all, as you say. And I just think that had he had they let him do that, he might have evolved into something pretty amazing. Yeah, but he's, a, he's truly a football guy at heart. And the uh, Fox was going to offer him way too much money, and because Fox had just had just acquired the rights to the the air the NFC package of football games, and um, well, it was meant to be. Him and Pat Summerall still doing still doing football together, mm-hmm. and he and he in fact did, did football commentary through uh, early 2009. He retired a decade ago, but he's still synonymous with the game thanks mostly to, to his video game series. But I can imagine I can imagine John Madden calling like a Duke Dumpster Jerusi match. It's just, it's just so surreal to think about. I didn't Early. know he retired. Oh yeah, Madden's long retired. He uh, he's in his eighties now. For wow, he was around for quite some time. It's like him doing the teletrader bit on Raw. Now you see here, you know, he swings a trash can at the head of a. I was pouring his talent here, and I. Now the X right here represents you know the front front of Louis with Barry Horowitz, and he hits him right here, and boom, that's Concussion City right there. <laughs> Tom, was that over your head? Yes, completely. <laughs> but it's okay, because <laughs> it's the 4th of July, it's American Independy Day, you're allowed to talk about football, because there's probably some... Independy Day. Imp- Independy Day, so you can talk about some footy later, probably. You'll... There'll probably be some football on. And and you've been very good at soccer this week as well, which has been annoying. But that's... <laughs> You have a cup of tea with Alex Morgan there, are you? Yeah, it's. Do you know what? It's fine. She can sip tea. We'll we'll eat McDonald's and and sue our employers. That'll. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna be cheering for the Netherlands on Sunday? 
darn right I'm going to cheer for the Netherlands. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing the uh, the celebration when they score against the Netherlands. <laughs> Whip out a massive bong. <laughs> <laughs> you can pantomime anything, really. <laughs> I, I feel like we're doing this match at the service because Taker finishes with a jumping tombstone. Yeah, a big old mollet. tombstone. What did Hudson do to him before the match? <laughs> what protocol did he break? He must have just anyway, he must have not let Paul Bearer past or something through a door. This they were so <laughs> weird back then. Probably still are, yeah, to be so, honest. Uh, perhaps, but the mullet gets uh, crunched here and Taker Taker wins as expected. We're not gonna have a kid raise for a moment here. We have footage of Bam Bam and, and Bashenburger from last week because, you know, goddammit, we needed a reminder of what happened. I'm just happy that Vince said hump rubbing. <laughs> the hump Where's... stuff is just so... That whole bit was just so uncomfortable. The whole bit where he kept walking around the ring hugging Vince her. Because was... obviously they'd blown the spot. They'd missed the timing of it. But they just kept doing the bit where he kept hugging her. And oh, it was very uncomfortable. <laughs> and given who was involved, it's very, very, very uncomfortable to watch. Not the most compelling of television. No, not at all. We come back from break and we have a... Monday Night Raw cake shown at ringside. Tom, you've watched wrestling before. <laughs> and Sid, so have you. How did, what did you suppose the fate of the cake was going to be? <laughs> I thought they were going to cut it up nicely and then just eat it. I didn't think any shenanigans would happen whatsoever. I did as well. I thought that they would... Uh... They would show it in the middle of the ring. They'd show it off, and then they'd take it back. And then everyone in the locker room would go around it and eat it all in the back. No footage, nothing. <laughs> it's a pretty small cake, given who's uh, you know, how big the roster is. <laughs> Not at this point. The roster's tiny. That there'd be some left over. Oh, that's true. <laughs> good point. Good point. Mine, they'd be like a big wedding cake. <laughs> Three tiered. <laughs> It's like, you know, did, hey, did Tyler Bate get his? We'll just mail him his. I think he probably got his sense. No, they're going to mail Rusev his. Oh, yes. Poor Rusev. Along with I his contract termination papers. <laughs> we have hype for, for Savage versus IRS on next week's show. And we go right to Bigelow versus Booger, and Booger gets the jobber entrance, which is a sign of the times for poor Bastion. Bigelow strikes immediately. We have more talk of hump rubbing, which is apparently it's not like, it's not like something that like the kids would be into. You kids and your hump rubbing. Hey kids, want to do some hump rubbing? Let's meet you around the <laughs> back. I got some humps. No, oh, no, actually, there's no nice way of, of saying that. So I'm not. <laughs> it's like start making PSAs, you know, anti-hump rubbing. Hi, I'm Michael kids, don't be hump rubbing. Don't do hump rubbing. You're an idiot. Stop it. Yes, stop help. it. <laughs> Have McDonald's. Have a nice burger. Some McDonald's. I'm loving it. <laughs> Not the hump rubbing though. The burger and the freedom. <laughs> so they do like a lot of you know the, the big halls colliding into each other's stuff. Luna starts blowing kisses to Booger as I'm wondering what the hell this is supposed to be. It's the this is the weirdest porn hub website I've ever visited. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you have Randy Savage quoting Great White at ringside. <laughs> it's a very, that's a very, very, that's a very, um, that's a very particular kink, that is. 
<laughs> Tom killed me. <laughs> it's a very unique king. Uh, John, if you want to. <laughs> John, don't! Totally John, no! No! Down, John! Down, John! No, no, no. no, no. Stay! Tom, hear me out. Tom, hear me out. It's, it's not what you it's not what you think. It's not what you think. Turn off photos. He's gonna spray him with a water bottle. <laughs> Turn off paint.net immediately. <laughs> any image from this match that you so desire, and just put and just put the Brothers logo in the corner. <laughs> there you go, that's alright, actually. Let me see that. <laughs> but say have to have some faith in me, Jesus. <laughs> Don't put Jesus in it. <laughs> put a dragon in it though. <laughs> He's one of the apostles. Yes, please. <laughs> you can put a fire Ferguson in it too if you want. <laughs> so Vince promotes this Richard Dreyfus Terry Gar movie as as the wheels are just coming off of this show. They botch a slam horribly. There's a lot going on here. Um, crowd cheers Batman as he slams Booger, finishes with a diving headbutt. And I guess that's it for this feud now. Oh, what a shame. Is, do you think this kind of built over from Friar Ferguson? Is this kind of carried on from? Because last time we saw Friar Ferguson, he, him and Bam Bam Bigler were about to go into it, and then Ferguson disappeared off TV. Do you think that's canon with this? Sure. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I bet Vince has forgotten about Friar Ferguson already. I haven't. It's been, it's been, it's been about eight or nine months. Austin actually peeked over my shoulder while watching, uh, while I was watching uh, Bam Bam versus Bastion Booger, and he's like, "You know what? I think I'm okay not being on this episode." <laughs> See, that's just mean. Well, don't worry. Next time, next time Bastion <laughs> Booger's on an episode, we'll make sure he's on it. Yeah. You'll be fine. Plus, we're having a blast. So, who? We have uh, an, an, an important word. It's the Rage in a Cage ad with Lord Alfred Hayes voicing over this Sega, Sega CD game. We have a disconsolate promo with, with the Quebecers and Johnny Polo backstage. Then Jacques reminds Polo that he signed a rematch clause. And Polo is surprised at his own genius. I did? I did! I did, didn't I? How did he forget he signed a bit. rematch clause? I thought they were automatic. Exactly! Well, not in today's era, they're not, but they also are, you know what I mean? <laughs> It's very sometimes. confusing what's going on. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Depends so next who you week, are. So next week on Raw, well, but not at Raw, at Madison Square Garden, Jacques and Pierre get the rematch against the 1-2-3 kid and Mario Gennetti. And what will be the most confusing episode of Raw that Tom and I have covered to date? Oh, really? How exciting. You'll see when we get there. We have another anniversary moment. Is it Gennetti winning the Intercontinental Belt? Is it Hogan's appearing on, on the show? Is it Lawler insulting Brett's family? Is it anything else good? No, it's Kamala chasing kimchi through the crowd. Yeah, I didn't get why that made the cut and so much didn't. I'm thinking maybe because Kamala's supposed to be in the Royal Rumble match and they're trying to just, you know, put uh, him back on TV. in order us of who he is. Kind of, yeah. That makes sense. So the, show, so the show ends with Bray Wyatt's dad coming to ringside in order to confront Randy Savage. Then, now, obviously, this is leading to the cake to the face, which anyone could probably see coming. But here's the problem. He does it with the lit candle on the cake. I did notice that. And what may be the most dangerous, the most dangerous spot in the history of this show. I can't believe they threw a naked flame at IRS. 
Well, I mean, they're probably trying to, you know, kill him before his hell spawn took over the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. So IRS ate the cake at the end of the show to a nice big pop. And now, what a way to build IRS versus Macho Man. Now, my question is, this is the same tape in the Savage Faces IRS. He must have, like, another shirt handy backstage. And I, must, like, yeah, I presume he's got a different outfit to change into, unless he comes out dressed up. Unless he's like, remember that episode of back in WCW in 2000 when Sting got the blood poured on him and he didn't wash for like two weeks? No. <laughs> Nobody watched WCW back then. Oh, fair point. I can't well, verify if that happened or not. Sting got a blood bath. It's like, remember when Marvel spent... <laughs> Van... <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> it's like when Laurel Van Ness in, in, on, on Impact wore the wedding dress and she, oh wait, no one watched that either. Um, but but alas, you know the, the point has been made. So so, what did you all think of this show here, Sydney? Uh, I felt like uh, the beginning really was the highlight of the show, and that that was definitely the best part. And then it just slowly went downhill. Um, but I feel like there were some moments that were pretty good. Like I like the Yoko, uh, the Yoko Taker, um, promo section. And I really liked how terrified Yokozuna looked. It's like, I don't get why he's so scared because he's so much bigger than him. And if WWE has taught me anything, if somebody's bigger, they're going to win. <laughs> well, usually, true. but, <laughs> but also... Every monster that on the, the Taker faces has an irrational fear of caskets. Kamala, Heidenreich, they're all afraid of caskets for some reason. It's uh, it's quite coincidental, really. Was Mark Henry? No, Mark Henry was different. Mark Henry's not afraid of anything. Okay. He is my cousin, after all. True. It's true. I've seen you two together, and I can barely tell the difference. Yeah, we look so much alike. It's like, it's like doink and doink. <laughs> What did you make of we the, the main... anniversary show, Justin? I, I mean, it wasn't really. I mean, it. They did some stuff to make it uh, differentiate from from just your your normal episode of Raw, you know, with the moments and the cake and. But really, it it, it, it just felt like an episode of Raw, like it it wasn't really all that special, other than maybe having Savage back. But that just made it feel mm -hmm. more like. More like a typical episode of Raw, although the title change was fantastic. That was a great match. So they, did, so they did give us that, and we have angle advancement for the Rumble, so, you know, yay, a lot of good... It was a better show than usual. I think it felt... I, I think that this podcast has felt more like an anniversary special than the anniversary special of Raw did. <laughs> Agreed. But they will get better at I that do with agree. time. Um, I genuinely think that as time goes on, they will find their niche with celebrating these things but i thought the cake bit was nice the title change was a nice feel-good bit i really enjoyed that um booger and bigelow in the main event <sighs> we're still figuring out main events on this in this weird version of wwf and uh, we're on our way to the rumble so there's some good stuff and next week's show promises to be the most bizarrely convoluted ever did you say um i would say it's uh they, they were very, very ambitious with what they did on next week's show, but it's it's very, very confusing if you think about it way too much. Let's okay. just put it that way. I'm excited for that. So 
Until we get together next time. At oh, oh, hang on, what's this? Someone's ringing in. Who could, who could this be now? Hey, Tom and Justin, Rob Bartlett here, one of the first hosts of the WWF Monday Night Raw when it was still on USA Network and when we were still hawking Ico Pro. Just want to wish you congratulations on your one-year anniversary of the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review of all the classic Raw Review podcasts. You guys are definitely one of my top 20, hands down. You know, and I don't do that lightly because I am one of the top 10 worst wrestling announcers of all time. I'm not number one, but there's still hope. But I just want to wish you guys a happy anniversary, one-year anniversary. I don't know what the one-year wrestling podcast anniversary gift is. I don't know if it's leather or razor blades or ladders. Whatever it is, you can expect one in the mail from me. Yeah. Anyway, uh, congratulations on your anniversary. Here's to many, many more. And uh, all of you who are listening to them right now, subscribe to the Rob Bartlett Radio Comedy Hour wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, it's not like you can go pick it up where you get your milk, but wherever you get your podcast, subscribe because it's it's funny and it's good. And we we do some wrestling stuff every once in a while, and it's comedy. Just do it, okay? Congratulations, guys! Ladies and gentlemen, Rob Bartlett joins us on the Cult Island Classic Raw Review. Wow, Tom, that was a really convincing Rob Bartlett impression you did there. <laughs> I have been. Oh, mate, I've been sat on that for weeks and I haven't told you. I just wanted it to be a surprise. I've sat on that for weeks. You savvy son of a <laughs> That was awesome. Actual Rob Bartlett now endorses the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. Happy one year anniversary. I love you. Bye. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. 